God. You're just in time for the word, girl. Amen. Praise God. So we're going to talk today about uh, the fact that every little bit counts. Every little bit counts. Uh, We need to understand. I I just think about how significant we are to God and the fact that so many of us are totally unaware of that. Uh, We just don't, can't fathom uh, how much God loves us and, and, you know, it'll kind of mess your head up if you focus on it for a little while and, uh, you know, you try to think of these things and then you say, nah, that couldn't be true and God's not that good and what did I do to deserve it and all of that, you know, and, but uh, even if your part in God seems to you to be small, realize that every little bit counts amen every little bit counts toward what god is doing you know it just really really does it's so important and so significant i think about some of the the people in the bible that we know about some of what we call the greats uh the patriarchs you know abraham moses the ones that made significant uh contribution we feel to god's people and in god's work down here on earth but just think about the other people who maybe had small supporting roles you know the understudies the walk-ons the extras you know people like that uh that we don't read about but their assistance with what god was doing in the earth was highly highly important and highly significant so whether you feel that your job is great or small in the earth uh, every little bit counts even if you feel you have a little place in god's kingdom or you don't really think about your place in his kingdom it is significant hebrews 10:35 tells us <clears throat> not to cast away our confidence you have to have confidence in your significance to God. You, you've got to believe that. You, you must believe that. And he says, don't cast away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward or that has great value and will be rewarded. Amen. Your, your confidence in God's, what he's told you about you, what he's told you about the work that you do, what he's told you about your role in his kingdom. You have to have confidence in that. If, if God, if you weren't significant to God, he would not reward you for your prayers. He just would have you pray in, in out of duty and obligation and never, ever reward you bless you encourage you anything like that and so people who are significant are singled out for reward that's how you know your significance in god sometimes your reward is your answer to your prayer sometimes your reward comes to you in a sense of great peace when you've done something that god has told you to do when you do something out of uh, obedience to god Uh, i can remember times where god would call us to do unique and unusual things and i'm thankful that god didn't give me the kind of platform that he gave some people to to broadcast secrets uh, you know out of time and out of out of school because many times the things that God tells you to do in secret 
and he rewards you openly for uh, there to be kept secret, you know, because the world can't hear and understand everything uh, that God gives you to do. I know many of the people, uh, I was talking to a pastor many years ago, and uh, this was when we had left the church that we started, well, we got kicked out, locked out of the church we had started at. And we were having our, our meetings in the home of a pastor's wife. She she was gracious enough to allow us to meet. There's one thing God's always made me know is that we have to pray. The prayer uh, in the ministry must continue. And so we were very uh, mindful to continue to pray and not ever give up on uh, our assignment to pray and so when you're assigned to do something you know the devil will fight you over it and we've been fought many times uh, for places to to have meetings and you know favor with landlords we've had all kinds of ups and downs but through it all we've continued to watch and that's really really important to me and really really important to god and so when we when we uh moved and and um uh, moved to another place we would always go and fellowship at, at a local church on Sundays and I spoke to uh, the pastor in charge of that church and he said well I know you're a minister and you have a ministry and so forth and so I told him I said well I'll, I'll you know I'll kind of write down what we do so you get an understanding of what we're called to do and, and he had read it and he saw me after that and he said wow he said Boy, I've seen other people start off trying to do what you do, but they don't last very long. So I said, oh, okay, well, whatever. We're here. We just, you know. But, uh, you know, and it has been true. There have been many people that are called to, to do a watch for God, and they either get discouraged and I think they're supposed to be doing something else because, you know, it's funny about uh, people in the body of Christ. We have all that we need in Christ, but we're always looking around outside of us for something more. We we'll always look at the person's ministry next door and see what they do, and we want that. We look at somebody we see on television and see we do want that. And so it's it's good to be mindful that what God calls you to do is significant. It's very significant. If he called you to do it, and he shows up in your meetings and anoints you and blesses the work of your hands, he called you to do it, and it's significant. And this is what we have to keep in mind every day. Because you don't every day have a, 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 a big splash thing happen in your life, in your ministry, to make it seem significant to the natural eye. But to God, it's very, very important. And we need to understand that. We are all significant to God. Whatever he tells you to do, as Mary said, do it. And then you'll understand what it means to be significant in God. I, I feel bad for people who are always planning to do stuff or fixing to do something and never, ever get around to doing it. When, when God called me, I had a sense of urgency to respond to it, but also there has to be a sense of peace to wait for him to give you the the instruction for the next move and so it's not 24 hours a day seven days a week running for god you know for everybody there are times where you'll have seasons where uh things will be uh, a little dormant like when you plant 
you plant seeds you cover them up with dirt and it's up to god to give the increase when it first bursts through the the earth and so that's the way it is with the seeds he plants within us of our work to do for him he teaches us and you can't teach you can't be taught and teach at the same time you know what i'm saying you you've got to understand you have to have a season of growth and in knowledge and understanding and then if he opens the door you put to work what he's put in your heart but you can't make that happen uh, no more than you can make a tree grow overnight or you can make growth come in the natural realm overnight it has to be by the process that god has chosen for us in psalms 8 verse 4 the writer says he says what is man that you are mindful of him you know why do we we just look at ourselves and and think what is it about me that causes god to think i'm significant you know what what is man that thou art mindful of him or the son of man that you visit him why why do you take time with us god what it is that what is it about us that causes you to consider us to be significant he says here you have made him a little lower than the angels what one one translation says lower than god so we are made a little lower than god and crowned and crowned us with glory and honor so we start out kind of in a a secondary or insignificant place and then god elevates us from the place from which we start everybody here is more than what they were when god found you you've increased quite a bit what he's put in you is of great value even though you are of great value from the beginning when you were a sinner you were of high value to god you were never not valuable if you weren't valuable he wouldn't have sent his son to give his life for you so while we were sinners christ died for the ungodly amen and so in our scrap heap of life when we thought we were the least valuable and least significant god judged us to be the most significant and giving a life precious life sinless life in exchange for us and our sin and our confusion our degradation our wasted time our wasted energy all of that was given for us in that condition and so the writer just wonders he says you know and you made us to have dominion over the works of your hands and we don't know what we're doing huh but you gave us to have we think we know what we're doing but we know so little amen we know so little it just amazes me how long it takes for the natural carnal mind to get understanding about certain things you know a a typical example is that many many years ago if you look at some of the early uh, uh, world maps they saw the world being flat they had no idea when the bible says god sits on the orb or circle of the earth so right in the bible it tells you but see if you're not in the bible you you have you're ignorant of it and look how long it took humanity to find out see they would go out in a ship and go exploring they look out there and they only went so far and they turn around and came back and didn't know they could go any farther so it took centuries 
a trial and error just to get that one truth that was already in the word of God that's already in the knowledge of God and so it's amazing how little we know and understand apart from God but yet God has given us dominion over the works of his hands he does it so that we can understand our worth and our value it's amazing to me that he trusts us to birth and raise one another do you realize everybody that's born pretty much has the ability to reproduce and have children and god doesn't give you a a crash course or a resume in how to raise children he just knows that he can handle that about your life you don't know it but he does huh anybody ever had children knows that every parent comes to his wit's end about what to do about little johnny you know you run out of ideas you run out of understanding you run out of everything but yet god gave you little johnny amen he didn't tell you had to take an exam first and get a degree and then be a parent he puts a parenting ability in all of humanity if you look at the animals they have a little bit of an edge over us because their instincts are sure see the same mechanism inside of them that they use to feed themselves they use to take care of their young feed their young etc they they just live in that realm where their instincts take over and they can do the job and do it successfully over and over and over again people get bright ideas we always got got to get some why because we learn from each other and we borrow ideas from each other instead of trusting our instincts in god god can help anybody to be a good parent he can help anybody be successful all he has to do is show them mercy if a person is seeking and they're earnest and sincere god often will help them and they don't have to know god see all of the success in the world is not really locked up in the church it's locked up in people who will obey god you got me it's a good thing suppose we had to work wait for the church to do everything in the world huh before you knew god you had a job you were capable you could do things you could think for yourself you could those are our qualities that god put in everybody to be able to sustain their own life and and a lot of that comes through instinct a lot of it though comes through training as well as you get out in the world and start working you start to learn what principles are involved in success but success is not uh lasting until you come into a knowledge of god and live by his covenant regulations then it's guaranteed you can shoot at it all you want to as a sinner and you can have success to a degree but it's not guaranteed so the believer has the guarantee of success but god will take care of everybody who lives by his principles if you work hard you get up every morning you go to your job and you do the best job you can and you're respectful to your boss you've already obeyed several principles in god's word of success respect for authority 
the one who doesn't listen to people who are more mature or elders or parents those in authority will not live long and will they will not go well with that person rebellion always has a bad end to it but if you're the type of person who learns how to be respectful to those that god places in authority over you and learns how to be obedient to their rules and not talk back and not always have something you know uh, uh, you know goofy to say or something like that you can have great success in this world you won't be able to take any of it with you <laughs> but you can have success in this world so then god crowns us with glory and honor and, and then that is when we meet him you know when you your crowning comes when you enter into a life with christ amen so uh you know we have dominion over the works of of the earth over all god's creation and then he crowns us with glory and honor so god really intends for everybody to be saved everybody come into a knowledge of him that's his desire is for that to happen uh in in our lives and so god has given us dominion over everything in the earth that's how significant we are he trusts us with no prior training <laughs> no prior anything he trusts us though to live by certain principles that we learn as we go that will lend to our success so he has planned everything for us uh, for us to be successful and for us to be significant in the earth and so just the fact that god trusts you with the work of his hands lets you know that you are significant to him you are important whatever you can do your little bit counts if you call it a little bit then that little bit counts amen so we are made a little lower than the heavenly beings even god himself and then he crowns us with glory and honor that's the wonderful thing god's intent in creating man is what gives us significance so there's always a little something in the back of your mind that tells you that you're about something in this earth and that's god's intent in creating us the intent is never removed the understanding that there is some because people will start to question it why am i here what's life all about you know that that kind of you start questioning that's when we start to run into our spirit which is feeding us constantly information about god's intent for our lives so your spirit man even though it may not be alive to christ has ways of of cueing your soul to understand that there's something significant there's something more coming there's something more to life there's something uh, extraordinary that you have not tapped into yet i can remember as a child i i know i was probably maybe in elementary school maybe but very young i remember dreaming that and i don't remember the pictures in the dream but i remember waking up thinking that i was going to do something important in my life and it had to do with god that was all i remembered about it and i remember telling my sisters and they looked at me like shut up you know so i shut up i never told anybody else but see that gets locked in you there's a there's a i think what it does is it gives you a foundation 
it gives you a an anchoring in your soul that allows you to get involved in life but always in the back of your mind somewhere there's an understanding that there's something more somewhere you know that that is there and i wasn't i I didn't remember it like every day it just kind of went away uh and then many many years later when i did get saved i began to realize god had told me about this uh, many many years ago now when people say important to do that's what god told me he said it was important and i thought about it in these terms that anything god tells you to do is important there's no small things in god's kingdom and we really have to understand that or a lot of god's work will not get done if we don't understand that everything that we do in god is very significant very significant so uh, when god's intent in creating us is what gives us significance our behavior flaws successes and failures do not determine our worth see all of that stuff has nothing to do with your value your value is always there it's always going to be there it never changes just like a uh well it's even more more valuable than 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 uh um uh say like a a gem like a diamond or ruby their value depends upon what the marketplace price is but our value is stable it's always high quality value from the day that you before you even are conceived to be honest with you before you even come into this world god says before i formed you in your mother's womb what i knew you so every soul that comes into the earth has had prior contact with god that's why abortion's so wrong because god knew that life ordained that life for a purpose and it's cut off because it's not seen as significant that's because many times people don't see themselves as significant and they don't see their offspring as significant you don't believe that you look at all the kids that murder each other murder each other every day and they say in chicago there were like i don't know uh like 40 murders in one weekend this was recently uh just people not knowing their significance and then projecting that off onto other people what you think about yourself is often reflected in the eyes of what you behold let's say it again because it's worth repeating what you think about yourself is often reflected in the eyes of what you behold you look at people in the way they keep their homes that's a good indication uh-huh. you don't think much about your house because you don't think much about yourself you try to pretend like you think you're great and wonderful oh, i don't have time for this i don't have time for that oh, i don't do no housework i don't do no cooking well you know maybe you don't think so much about yourself but see people don't think it this way they, they you know your your sense if your sense of value goes up and down with your circumstances you need to get a good understanding of what's you know what i'm saying is it's just wrong <clears throat> 
You have the same worth at all times. That worth is reflected in everything that you do. It's reflected in your surroundings. It's reflected in your uh, the way you uh, you know keep your home, the, what you do to adorn your home, and all that kind of stuff. Now, granted, sometimes you know if you as I've gotten older, I have to delegate a lot to other people that I used to do myself, you know. Uh, but you still get it done. The fact is, you you know it's significant to do, and you get it done anyway. And so that's that's because you understand significance. You understand what's important. You know, I'm not going to invite anybody into this place and it's looking you know looking all kind of ways and I've always been the type of person that if I get up and I see this around look around my house all the time if I move junk moves with me it gets put back into place you know I I learned that the hard way (laughs) when I was I was working and uh and in school I think I was always in school for some this is before I got saved my husband worked all the time. He traveled off and on, depending upon you know who he was working for, and and so we had to get a housekeeper to just at least come in once a month, once a week, something like that, and clean up from top to bottom because we just. And so one day she told me she said now, and I was her hairdresser. I think I was doing hair at the time. And she said now I'm going to tell you a little secret. She said, it'll save you. She said, because I come once a week. She said, but I can come every other week, and it won't cost you so much money. And so she told me how to clean up after myself. So you get a professional to tell you something. This was was high-value information. And she told me, she said, why don't you and your husband do this? And she told me some things to do to make sure everything was kept neat. She said, because when I come in, I spend most of my time just picking up little items that you guys could do. She said, and then I can spend my time doing a general, and then I won't have to come back so often. And that's what we did. See, I wasn't so arrogant as to say, well, who do you think you are? You better come in here clean. You see, because people do take attitudes. You know, when when they have help to come in, they get arrogant. Well, you better clean up. What are you trying not to earn your money? You understand what I'm saying, that kind of stuff. But she knew she could talk to me, and, and she gave me away. And a lot of times people won't do that. They'll come in and have an easy time doing a little bit of work and collect their money and keep stepping. And so I humbled myself and received it. And I was glad for the information, to be honest with you. And we started doing it. And I told my husband, I said, now, you know, I, I know you work. I said, but you, I said, can you help and do your part? And he said, yeah, it ain't hard to do. He said, we'll do it. He said, I keep my money in my pocket, you know. To, to him, it was you know, either another six-pack or another joint, whatever he was. You know what I'm saying, sinners. We're just doing what sinners do. But it was good information for me, and I carried that over into my life and even do it now. Why? Because it was important to me. Why? Because even then as a sinner, I knew I was significant. I didn't want to live ghetto. I didn't want to live tacky. I didn't want to live with junk everywhere. I wanted to live in neat, clean surroundings. And so it's, and God honored that. Every time we've moved, we've gotten property that's much more valuable than the one we left. You understand what I'm saying? And so it, it, it helps you in the long run. So significance kind of uh, uh, 
kind of reflects outside of us. When you know you're significant, that reflects on the outside of you. Amen? And so even in small things like that, when you know you're significant, it shows. Huh? It shows. I know many times people have attitudes, you know, if you rent property, uh, if you take care of it, you'll be an owner one day. Everybody knows that. You know, it's just, that's just a, the American way. That is so ingrained in American thinking, it, it's undeniable, you know. Uh, many people came here as immigrants, and they lived 12 people in two rooms, and so-and-so talked up for so-and-so, and they got a job, and, and they eventually got their family moved out, and the beat goes on. But they all started out renting, even if it was just a room in somebody else's home, and they got a job, and they they kept moving on from there. So that is part, and I believe it's God's way. He says, if you're faithful over what belongs to another man, you will get your own. You got me? Just be faithful over it. Just be a good steward over everything. But good stewardship comes from understanding your significance. Significance also uh, implies capability. Significant people are capable people. Don't ever say you can't do something. If you can't do it, God will send you somebody who can. But make sure you keep in mind it needs to get done. And so when we start to understand how God moves and how he works... All of these things about our significance, you know, what you have is part of your dominion. He's given you dominion, and re- dominion always implies responsibility. Dominion is not just taking stuff, using it up, and not caring for it, caring about it. So dominion means you are responsible for the things that God gives you. What we do is not, we said, does not determine our worth, but it is reflective of our worth. What we think about ourselves is reflected in what we do and how we do things. I know sometimes when when uh, we do our meals uh, at the church, uh, I preach while the girls get everything ready, and I'll come in the kitchen and just, and when I'm done, and look at around and see if they got everything, and they'll look at me real funny. I say, y'all been back here talking again. I said, because you didn't get this, and you didn't get that, and they'll say, uh, and I said, we're going to do it anyway. You got me? Why? Why leave something undone? I mean, what, what good is that? You make plans, and you never carry them out? Really? And God lives in you, really? And you're going to say it's okay and just shrug? No, you won't. We're going to get it done. Hmm? Now, you may think whipped cream on top of the cake is not significant, but it is because we planned it. That's why it's significant. You start cutting back, you won't even have dinner. See, these things are lessons. People don't understand the lessons of life. You got me? They don't understand the lessons. I'll have people live with me sometimes, and, you know, people are always anxious to get away from me. I don't know why. (laughs) 
But if you look and say one day, God, I'm here. I want better or I want my own place or whatever it is. Show me why I'm here and what I'm to learn while I'm here. You have to do it every day. You can't live in that place of being restless to have something else. Because you'll miss what you're supposed to be doing right now. And you'll never get to something else. Now when I tell people that, they say, well, I know God's going to do really. Why hasn't he done it yet? Just saying. Just saying. Something to think about. So work is intrinsic, and God desires that we be aware of our worth at all times, lest you do something that's beneath you. It's easy to get involved in something that's beneath you because you're not aware of your worth. Easy. When God took a census of the children of Israel, he showed them that each of them were important. Our government does it to keep up with our money. But God did it to show people they were important to him. Those people are still in the Bible. You go through the book of Numbers and every single soul in the nation of Israel's name is right there in the Bible. If that don't tell you you're significant, I don't know what does. Every every time you read the Bible, you see those same names. And sometimes I think I say, well, I wonder if those people realized that they were counted and everybody knows who they were by name. And he showed them that they were important. And the early books of the Bible have the name of all God's people. And there is a written record. Handed down through the ages of everybody that lived for God at that time. Got it? It's probably the oldest census available to mankind. So you need to know from that that God loves you and your name is written. The Bible says in the Lamb's book of life. It's a living book that will live on forever. Because we'll live forever. So God loves you and wants you to know that his his love so you can freely give the life of God to everybody else. When you are significant and you know your significance, you want other people to know that they are significant too. Many times we witness because we understand how valuable eternal life is. But you need to understand that other people need to know the value of their own value and their worth. And they get it through understanding God. It's the only way you get it. You get it through understanding God. God does not require that one person do everything. You know, we have people now beating each other up. I hear people say, I'm the chief apostle of the city. And all these old crazy people on television. I said, where do these people get these ideas from? If you look in the book of Acts, when God formed the church, you'll see nobody calling themselves chief nobody. Except Paul, he said, I'm the chief of sinners. Huh? (laughs) Come on now. And those people had folk getting healed in their shadow. You know, and you can't even get get you you running to the doctor for a, a head cold. Can't even tolerate uh, a little bit of discomfort long enough to get in the word and see if you can get rid of it. (laughs) 
see what I'm saying? But yet you the chief of something. In your dreams. Huh? Jesus is the head of the church. He don't have no other chiefs down here. Everybody else is subordinate to him. <laughs> so God does not require that one person do it all. I don't care how many millions of books you sell and how many stadiums you fill. You can't do it all. You won't do it all. He requires you to do your part, which is quite small in the overall picture, but it counts. Your part counts. Your part is small in the overall picture, but it counts. Because you will leave this earth one day and God will raise up somebody else to do the work. You understand me? So we do what we do while we're here. But what you do is an essential piece of the plan of God. You're significant. You have an essential piece. But it's a small part. Because we have had believers since, you know, God created the earth. Even the ones that we, even Noah, his part was small. And his faith really was essential that God not destroy every soul in the earth. He was the only one person left on the earth who believed God. But he still had a small part. You understand what I'm saying? He wasn't more significant than anybody else who served God and lived in the earth. So it's important for us to get this understanding of our significance understood. In order to be successful in anything, we must know who we are and know our value and our worth. Some people are, are a little more reflective and, and, you know, I call them little melancholy people and brooding and all that kind of stuff. You know, I'm, you know, kind of observing uh, people, you know, sometimes little kids, you'll see the ones that like to sit alone and just think sometimes, you know. And it's good to keep their minds filled with thoughts of their value. As the enemy can easily get in there and, and start telling them things, you know, and you can't make them snap out of it and change who they are. But if they are filled, let, let them start meditating on God, meditating on their role in the earth and what God's called them to be. And let them know they're significant, they're valuable, they have gifts and abilities and, and help to get those developed. And, and God can, can help them use what they have uh, in a more positive way. In Acts one seventeen, it shows that when God gives a, a ministry, it must be carried out. Ministry must be carried out. Acts one seventeen. This is Peter standing in the midst of the disciples and said. Uh, Oh, this is what the 120 after they had received the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me see if that was after or that was before. Ah, before. This was in the upper room before the Holy Spirit fell. And this is significant. The Lord just reminded me of this. That the Holy Spirit didn't fall until everybody that was called to be in the ministry was accounted for. Not me. So it says here, uh, it says, verse 16, men and brethren, the scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spoke before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus, for he was numbered with us 
and obtained part of this ministry. Jesus went out with them when they prayed for the sick. Of course, he kept his eye on the money, but he was there. You know what I'm saying? He was anointed, so he had a part in that ministry. And so he says, Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as that field is called by its proper uh, name, Aseldama, which is to say the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate and let no man dwell in, but let his bishopric or office, ministry office, let another take. And so Peter is saying here, we can't go forward until we fulfill this scripture. It says he's going to die and and by betraying the Lord, he's going to meet his death, but his ministry must go on. And this is one thing we need to know about God's work. It's going to go on. Whether we know we're significant and do our part, even though maybe a small part, if we're called to play it, we got to play it out. And if we're called to do a large or what we consider, you know, the, to the world it's large and small, but to God it's all small because he's big. He's not going to elevate us. You know, God doesn't think the way we do. He really doesn't. You know, many times people say, oh, you've been to so-and-so's, so-and-so's meetings. Because we're all excited because we think they're important because they're either on television or their crowds are large. But the same God that is here now goes there. You understand what I'm saying? And so we got to get beyond that kind of you know hollywood type thinking about things you know the big crowds mean something uh but god we have to look and see god in something you know is god involved in it but peter understands that they've got to fulfill the scripture before they can go forward you think that if they had not done this there would have been no baptism in the holy spirit you see what i'm saying because god has to have things in order So he moves on Peter and reminds him of this scripture and reminds him, you've got to get this done. I want somebody to take Judas's place because when I call 12 people and give 12 people jobs, I want 12 people fulfill them jobs. So just because you die doesn't mean God stops working on the earth. You know, I know a lot of times we'll say, oh, crazy things like, oh, some of our significant ministers are passing on. Well, you ain't going to live forever either. You understand what somebody's going to take you? Somebody, that house you in, somebody's going to get it after you. Everything that's left here, when you leave here, will be taken by somebody else. And so they decide that they're going to cast lots and they choose Matthias to, uh, to take Judas's place because he had a part in the ministry. He had a part. Judas didn't think he was very significant, so he didn't play his part. What you think about who you are reflects in how you live your life. So his life came up very, very short because he missed it. Verse 25, it says, 
verse 24 and they prayed and say thou Lord which knows the heart of all men show whether of these two you have chosen there was Barsabas and Matthias that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell that he might go to his own place and that's another thing you know people don't want to let folk go sometimes you know like people when William Branham died there people praying for him to raise up from the dead well come on now y'all just get a grip but people miss their own significance and they overplay the significance of another person because they don't understand they don't see a proper reflection of God and things and so they they had to replace Judas and they did a lot fell on Matthias and he was numbered with the other 11 apostles and then God was free to let them receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit so your part even though that part was played by somebody who didn't appreciate it didn't think it was significant and all that kind of stuff God still wanted that ministry to continue you know it doesn't die because people mess up somebody else is always there look at how many people I've seen so many preachers mess up in my life when I first started I thought oh what are we going to do what's going to happen everybody's going to think we're all no good and you know you go through that and you think to yourself life goes on God's bigger than our mistakes. He's bigger than people that make mistakes. He's bigger than preachers who publicly make mistakes. All that kind of stuff. Life goes on and life in the kingdom goes on. The sad thing is they didn't really realize how significant they were to God. If you're important to somebody, you want to hang around them. You want to please them. You want to do what they tell you to do. You want to keep your nose clean. But if you don't think you're significant to God, you'll wind up in in a situation that's not for your best, just like Judas. So if God calls you to pray, then pray. It is important and we cannot be casual about our assignments. Somebody needs God's intervention and that's why he calls you to intercede. It's significant you don't have to know the people that you're praying for you don't have to know what that person needs and you don't have to know that person but you do have to be obedient to what God called you to do just as Judas had a part in the ministry of Jesus we all do he didn't fulfill his part so a replacement was chosen there are some things that you will do because other people refuse to do them you know all of the work of God is sometimes like that there are some people why do you think everybody doesn't have a large ministry is because some people just refuse the small and God has a fact he got to get somebody if somebody over here is sick in this this uh, uh, nursing home and they're crying out to God then God's got to raise somebody up to go over there and take care of that well I don't know if that's where I'm called to do well you won't get to do much you need to find out what you're called to do and get up and go do it you're called to work for God so work goes on in spite of our fulfillment or lack of fulfillment the kingdom is ever increasing you can can hop on and and ride it out and do your part or you can just stand there bewildered and wondering when something that looks like is 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 big enough for you is gonna (laughs) I want to be the leading lady you know or the leading man or something like that you know I don't want to be an understudy 
I see some people uh, working in movies, and I said, that person is in almost every movie you look at, you know? No role is too small. No role is, they say, oh, you want to do a cameo? I'll do a cameo. They just want to keep working, and they keep working. And so it, it sometimes has to be that way if, if that's what you want. If you want to be significant and you understand you can make a contribution anywhere, then go and make your contribution. First Peter uh, 5.8 tells us to be sober, sober, sober thinking. You are significant, but God, you're not bigger than God. Got me. You're, what you are, he gives you to do things that are important. Like I said, our work that we produce is an extension and a reflection of what we think about ourselves. You can't do great work and not think uh, at least sober about yourself. You've got to think soberly about your abilities and your talents and so forth and so on. Understand what you've got and what it can produce. So in First Peter 5, 1 Peter 5, talks about the testing of your faith. Verse 7, it says, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, that it might be found unto the praise and honor and glory of the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love. In whom, though you, you see him not, yet you believe. You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come into you. Searching that, I don't know if I'm right in the right place or not. Huh? What, what, what? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm in one. Woo-hoo. Like I said, five. <laughs> All right. Verse six. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting your care upon him. He cares for you. See, you can humble yourself to anybody that you know loves you. People you're not sure love you, you mm, little standoffish. Sometimes you have to humble yourself by faith as believers. You know what I'm saying? You just walk humbly before all men, and you do, because there are times when we can be wrong about people. We just are not good judges sometimes, especially if we judge emotionally and judge through the soul. I know there have been times God would tell me to go to meetings and, and, you know, it's like all the ushers treat you bad and, you know, and people don't want you sitting next to them and, you know, they run and grabbing all the seats and tell you, you know, we don't have no seats up here and going back to the back and all that kind of stuff. But God told me to come, so I humbled myself and stayed. You got me? And I prayed about the next time. I said, no, God, them people wasn't right. Somebody right about them people up there. He said, I didn't send you for them. I sent you for the speaker. You got me? So you have to know what you're there for. you got to pay attention to these things, folks. Sometimes people, speakers are, are poor leaders in how they organize their help and, and, you know, get developed people to help them in their meetings. Some of them are, are not very good at that. They're not good administrators, 
they're not good teachers and they're not good organizers. So, you know, I always say you can find bad ushers in, in good meetings. You know, they're, they're, the devil gets in people. You understand what I'm saying? To turn people away. But you have to humble yourself to know what, what's going on. So he says, be, be sober, be vigilant. You know, slap yourself, you know, when you find yourself getting too in a, a haze and a daze about yourself. You know, thinking you're all that and a bag of chips, chips, and then the next week you feel like you're lower than a, you know, <laughs> than whale poop, you know. I mean, come on now. So we have to really be sober, think of ourselves soberly, but know you're significant. Sober thinking does not take away from who you are. Amen. It thinks about you the way God thinks about you. You know, so thinking soberly, you think about yourself in perspective to everything else going on around you. And you realize you're not the center of the universe. You know, you haven't had that kind of attention since you were in diapers. So, you know, let's grow up here and understand who we are. You're significant, but you ain't all that. Huh? You're not here to get away with anything. So you're here to, to serve and be served. Servants are significant people. Uh, they are significant people. Servants are significant. I know when I go out to eat, I don't care if it's a carryout, I always give a tip if I can. You know, if I got cash on me, I, I'll, you know, tell people sometimes, like the little girl at McDonald's, you know, I'm, I told her, I said, I ain't supposed to be here today. You didn't see me. And so I'll just, when I, she gives me my, my change or something like that, if I pu- can push it back in her hand and she won't get in trouble, you know, sometimes I'll do that. And I'll say, honey, just remember, Jesus loves you. He wants me to tell you that. And and that kind of thing, you know. So you got to be aware of who you are and what you can do. Now, she's not, that didn't make her day because I said it. But it's a gesture to point her in the direction of the God who can make her feel totally significant. Amen. So the devil looks for extremes in our thinking. He looks to get us into those days when we feel like nothing. And he looks to get us into those times when we think we're on top of the world. So if we think too highly or feel insignificant, he gets involved. He gets involved in our extremes and what we think about ourselves. Sobriety is knowing your worth from birth. You, a sober person knows that they're significant from, from way back, even if you have to look back and reflect on it, you look back at your childhood and say, you know, but I could tell God had something for me. I could tell there was something in me that let me know there was something more to my life than just what I was experiencing. Each of us must know our worth. We get that from reflecting on God and not reflecting on us and our accomplishments or lack of. We don't get it from comparing ourselves with others. That's a common flaw as well. You know, you don't feel good about yourself because somebody else is goofing up. You know, you don't rejoice in iniquity. You rejoice in truth. You don't compare yourself with other people. There's always somebody that's got less than you and somebody that's got more than you. So that comparison is not good. But if you reflect on God, you get a good sense of who you are. You understand your importance. So don't shrink back. The enemy likes to make us think that participation in God's plan is optional. 
It is not. It is a command. So we don't have to, we think sometimes that, you know, you don't have to give regularly. You don't have to come to church regularly. Just People like to keep their what they call their freedom, but really it's a control. It's not so much freedom. It's a control over what they think is their life that they think if they give it to God, he won't give them back. So it's a low opinion about who God is. It really is. And those of you who serve God faithfully know the deception because the devil's tried it on you. And you understand that the more I give to God, the freer I am. Because I can tell you, it comes back to you. When you give everything to God, you walk in an assurance that everything is going to work out fine. You search your heart and your mind and you don't see anywhere where you withheld something from God or refused to do something that you felt in your heart God wanted you to do. And there's a freedom there. You know, there's a righteousness that comes on you that says, you know what, I feel like I can expect God to do anything good for me because I've done what I know he put in my heart to do. You got me? And that's the freedom. And many people don't ever get there because they never give everything to the Lord. When we, uh, uh, let me see. We think sometimes we don't have to, you know, you're looking for a chance to go on a family vacation so you can, don't go to church. You know, that's, that's what's in the back of your mind. A time you can skip prayer or something like that or you don't have to give or give as much. When we think that way, we don't understand God's covenant and the blessing that comes with obedience. When you obey God, you step into that realm where his blood prevails over everything in your life. You got me? That blood's everything. See, you don't even have a life without that. A covenant obligates us to do our small part. Don't ever think God is asking too much of you. You got me? Whatever he gives you to do, he empowers you to do it. You're not doing nothing. You're just going along for the ride. He's using your mouth, your hands, your feet. You understand what I'm saying? Most of us figured out how not to spend gasoline since we've been. <laughs> you hit your ride with one of the saints when you can. You understand what I'm saying? God's given us his goods. And this obligates us. Once his spirit lives in you, you're obligated. If you go work for a job and those people give you a desk and a computer, what do you think you're supposed to do with that? you got to use that if you expect a paycheck. You can just go in there and sit and go talk in the bathroom. At the end of the day, you got nothing to show for you. The same thing with God. He put his spirit in you so he can use you. Amen? So you're obligated. Once you take, take part of his covenant, you, you don't have any options. Your natural boss expects something out of you and your spiritual boss does too. Jesus said, if you love me, don't talk as cheap. I want to see something. Huh? You've got to do something for me. Do what I tell you to do. I don't care where I tell you to go. So we have to work. So it's the same thing with God. If your natural boss tells you to do something, God tells you to do something. So we're obligated to use everything we have, our lives, our resources, our talents, all for his purposes. 
So we don't dictate the good works that we do. God's already foreordained them. You can't sit and make up and say, well, well, I think God wants me to do. You don't think he wants you to do. You you better know. You can, This ain't a guessing. <laughs> yeah, come on now. No more than you would go to your job and go sit at the desk and say, well, I think my boss wants me to just sit here today. and Or he wants me to go down the cafeteria for four hours. Or I think I'll just go over here and visit with my coworker. And, uh, you're assigned. What God has is foreordained before the foundation of the earth. The Bible says that he has foreordained the good works that we are to walk in. Every step, every day that you wake up, God's got something there for you to do. And it's already preordained. You're not sitting there, I'm just I'm wondering what I'm going to do today. Yeah, you better get a knowing. You better check in with the boss. Huh? Go within. Find out what God wants you to do and get to getting. Get to getting about doing it. The sooner, the better. God will use you in very unexpected ways sometimes. You have to get used to that. You're used to it because it's one of those things that it's a God thing. I call it a God thing. It'll just come on you all of a sudden. You know, you run into somebody who's perplexed and confused. I learned how to be friendly and approachable, how to win people over. That, That was something that... God taught me early was a part of hospitality and was part of ministry. There's a way that you carry yourself where people know you're approachable. Jesus did the same thing. He was approachable everywhere he went. He wasn't trying to hammer people with what he had, but they felt an ease in coming up to him. And and that's something that God has to teach each and every one of us how to master. You know, there's there's an ease there. But that was always my prayer before God is God show me how to win people over for your glory. You know, I don't want to take them home with me and start getting them, you know, doing stuff for me. And let's go lunch and let's go. You know, life's too short for that. I don't get too many sit-down lunches in my <laughs> not that I'm against it but my life doesn't run like that some people do I notice sometimes ministers will take people out for dinner after church it's a trap some people feel excluded you don't feed people feed everybody can't afford to feed everybody go home and eat that's what Paul said he said don't y'all have houses y'all can eat in you to turn communion and love feast into a, a food fight stop it Stop it. So y'all gluttons go home and eat like that. But you can find you can fall into a trap that way because you can it can be known that there are certain people you want around you and certain people you want at a distance. You don't ever want that. Not as a not as a servant of God. You we can't afford to turn people off. And you'll find people are coming around you clawing, trying to get to be in the so called inner circle. It's, it's nonsense. It's nonsense. God fed everybody. Jesus was 5,000 people, 5,000 families there. And he fed everybody. Of course, the little greedy disciples took up the leftovers. 
<laughs> you know, when God feeds you, there's always leftovers. He's a God of abundance. Amen. But, but you know, he didn't leave anybody unfit. They all knew they were significant to God. You see what I'm saying? That theme of significance has to be a part of Christianity all the time. All the time. But God will show you how to do these things. He'll show you how to win people over without compromising. See, you, know, you don't have to compromise your values. You know, my family knows I'm the crazy uh, preacher. But she calls herself a preacher. You know, they don't never think, family never thinks you're legit, you know, unless God shows them something, shakes them up and shows them something. But they always, well, I said, I'll take that job. Because we need a crazy preacher lady to pray for these outlaws and in-laws in the family. You understand me? That that job is very much needed in every family. So I said, I'll do that one. Huh? But they know I love them, but they know I'm not going to get involved in these shenanigans. So, you know, when God tells me to get involved, I get involved. A young man who was in our ministry when he was a teenager passed away a couple of weeks ago and, and you know family left and you know I always think people need to pray before you move and go anywhere you know you need to stay put most people don't leave in the Lord they leave prematurely and never really go on to do the great things that God wants them to do or fulfill what God called them to do and so the mother was reluctant to ask me to do the service. And I told her, I said, I wouldn't have missed this. I said, I prayed about it. I said, it, the only thing I don't like is running into conflict with other pastors that people may have had. You know, because some of them are very committed to their flock. If your name is on the roll and it never got taken off, they want to know. And so she said, well, no, he didn't. He just went so-and-so for a minute and didn't stay there. I said, well, fine. I'd be happy to do the service. You know, you've got to do things. like You can't get mad at people because they're mad at you. You understand? I don't know if too many people left here who weren't angry about something. I don't know. You know, people just get mad and don't want to get over it. And we're Christians. You know, we're supposed to forgive and love, but we don't do that sometimes. But you can forgive people. And you can go on and have edifying things to say about them in the interim. You understand what I'm saying? So it's good to understand the things that God has called us to do. I'm called to serve. I'm not called to, I'm called to lead as well, but that doesn't mean lording it over people. That means to lead people, other people into service as well. But when you understand who you are and how you're significant in God, you won't you won't goof up too much. You know, I'm I'm convinced of that. It, it, stay in the Word until you get a good reflection of who you are. Get in there every day. Sometimes we need to be reminded. You know, the devil get in your life and things that you have a string of bad decisions for a while and miss some miss God on some turns and you won't feel so good about yourself. But that's when you need to stay in the presence of God and stay in his word so that you understand what God's called you to do is important and don't quit doing it. Don't don't you know, don't shrink back. Keep going forward and that's where the blessing is. Why don't we quit? Father, we thank you for the knowledge that we have of you. It's so good, Lord, to be in your presence and it's so good to know who we are, what we're called to do. We thank you, Lord. We honor you. We bless you. We praise you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, just help us to be creative. Look for your creativity. 
and things when we have decisions to make father that our decisions won't call us cause us to quit but when we feel that we're against a wall lord that we look for a creative solution in you thank you jesus thank you lord you know god's saying that that some of you have have uh, quit on things and the Lord says that there are times when I don't want you to quit. I want you to go deeper in me and look for my creative solution to your problem. Because God wants to break us out into new areas, into new places, into new things. And he said many times you shrink back because you feel there's too much at stake. And going forward would be to risk everything. But the Lord said, I am your source, and you have to at these times learn to trust me, that I hold all of your future in my hands, and I can cause you to prosper in new and creative ways, says the Spirit of the living God, the Spirit of the Lord. He said, you won't prosper shrinking back, but you'll prosper if you look for me to create a new and living way for you to go forward in me says the spirit of the living god thank you jesus thank you lord well father we do thank you for giving us understanding of not shrinking back but going forward that you'll create a door for us you'll create a home for us you'll create a job for us you'll create income for us you'll create everything it's all on the other side of the door of going forward so we thank you for that revelation lord and we love you for it in jesus name amen and praise god so if anybody